The Anton Savage Show. This is News Talk. Introducing a guest that I, I who would have thought this uh, turn up for the books? My, my friend Matt Cooper. Matt, how are you? I'm very good. How are you, Anton? Good. What's it like crossing the tracks? Uh, being on the other side of the microphone, it's not something I'm actually comfortable with. Oh, good. Like, well, that improves things greatly. I like interviewing people, not being interviewed. Let's start with the, the personal and invasive then. How's the health? I believe you had a, a, a health scare, stroke, difficult diagnosis. Well, at least it wasn't a stroke. <laughs> um, uh, you look like a whippet. You look fierce, fit and healthy. Well, I've had to get this way. Um, I suppose I've been talking about this now a little bit for the last few years. And normally I wouldn't talk about myself, but... Some people did prevail upon me about the fact that as a middle-aged man, middle-aged getting older, sometimes it is important to talk about these things which affect so many people. So I was going back now at this stage over three years that I got a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. Now, is type 2 the one that you can control to some degree or is yes. that insulin, insulin dependent? Uh, it's not insulin dependent as a type 1 diabetes is when people have to because they can't produce insulin they have to inject before each meal and the rest of it type 2 diabetes is partly genetic partly lifestyle it can be managed but if you don't manage it it dramatically increases your risks in relation to heart attack stroke other very very serious illnesses uh, problems with eyesight problems with feet because uh, oh, yeah, the circulatory issues isn't massive there? circulation issues and I've come across people who have lost legs or feet because of it because it hadn't been caught early enough or hadn't been managed and controlled so I'm on medication on a daily basis I'm also on a weekly injection you know there was an awful lot of uh, attention recently paid to this special drug for obese people that they will inject once a week well, type 2 diabetes can be treated with that very drug which has now been expanded and I would actually have that injection once a week. I would inject myself and it controls and suppresses my appetite and I, to, to be able to take that injection I had my gallbladder out about two years ago and then I went on the medication and I'm down about 12 to 14 kilos since I did that. 14 kilos? Yeah. Wow. I mean, you look well, but you don't look like there was 14 kilos more of you at a certain point. Oh, thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was, actually, yeah. And uh, I mean, I put it this way, when I went to the doctor and I realised there was something wrong and I thought of two things, this could be diabetes, this could be prostate issues. Prostate was ruled out, thankfully, very, very quickly. The diabetes was confirmed very, very quickly. And... The doctor sat me down and said, describe for me your lifestyle. And I did. And he goes, we have a real problem here. <laughs> those, uh, those of us who know you wouldn't be that surprised. <laughs> but, no, no, you, you're, you're misreading that. And uh, basically he said, you've just described the lifestyle that I was about to advise you to take up because... I very, very rarely drink. I sort of gave up drink 15 years ago. Well, that's true. Ago. There were sort of two phases. There was a phase, there was the party mat and then there was the post-party mat. And post-party mat was, you were several years into that by the time the diagnosis. Yes. You were living quite, I was yeah. going to say aesthetically. What's the... Abstemious. Aesthetically is what I'm going or, for. I mean, abstemious. Even better. Alcohol, exercise regularly. Like I go to, um, I go to a personal trainer. One of my indulgences is that I go to a personal trainer, Paul Byrne, twice a week. Have been doing so for the last 12 years. I work out hard, lift lots of weights and the rest of it. I exercise, I cycle, I now play a lot of golf. So I get out and about, I religiously get my 100,000 steps a weekend. And he said, okay, well, you're going to have to do more than that. Oh, God. Yeah. 
Well, you look well on it. Thank you. The reason we are talking to you is because you are launching a podcast. Yes, indeed. Um, isn't everybody? <laughs> uh, you are doing long-form interviews with people, what you find interesting. Yeah, and I'll tell you why, because... As you probably know, and as you definitely know, because you used to stand in for me when I was on holidays from the last word in Today FM on a regular basis, there's a lot on the show every day. Uh, we would do 10 to 12 items on the show every day. Sometimes we would expand an item and go much longer on it. Ten or, sorry, a 10 or 12 minute interview might become a 20 minute interview. And yet there have been so many occasions where I felt there's so much more I want to be able to do but there's an ad break that has to be gone to. There's another item. You're worried as well that maybe the audience isn't as interested in that as you are. So maybe if there's 100,000 people for the sake of argument listening, if you let that person on for half an hour, you might end up with just 20,000. However, in a podcast, right, you can, you, the people have come to it in the expectation of more depth. They have subscribed to the interest in that individual. Exactly. Right. And they commit themselves. And I found myself during lockdown with lengthy walks with a dog. And the poor dog would get some very long walks <laughs> if I found a really interesting podcast, a really interesting interview, be it a James O'Brien or a Mark Maron or whatever. And I, sorry, just even on television, I used to find like radio show, I might be interviewing the Taoiseach. And even in 25 minutes, there was so much stuff that I didn't get a chance to get to. So the idea but of these interviews the, is to get to the corollary of that though and you mentioned Mark Maron is there mm. are times when you listen to Mark Maron where you think you know you, you're there's 20 good minutes in here Mark and this is 90 minutes long there is that and in fact I would tend to skip the first 10 or 15 minutes to get straight into it and also Mark Maron has and I've interviewed him on the last word previously as well when he was in doing stand up before the pandemic he has an enormous tendency to make it about himself rather than about the guest, particularly making it about his battle with addictions. So almost every guest is, hey, that's your addiction, but let me tell you about mine. <laughs> that will not be happening on Magnified. The other issue, and that is the title of it, Magnified, magnified. with Matt Cooper. And it's Magnified means we can look at things in more detail and more depth and get not necessarily always household names, but get really interesting people who are involved in interesting things. You're doing this at home. Yeah, right? now, the kitchen table. This is the thing that really worries me because one of the nice things about broadcast radio is if you take this morning, you walk into this room, I can insult you safely knowing that in three minutes you leave and you won't be there by the time the show is over. Guests, go away. What do you do when you're doing an hour with somebody if you end up having to ask them challenging questions and then they're in your house? I don't see why that's the problem. Well, you can't offend somebody and then once the red light goes off, say, well, do you want to sit around and have coffee? I'm, I'm, and not, I'm not really interested in offending people. Well, there's Although, always that chance, Matt. Well, there is, and you can sort of do so unintentionally. And I'll say this one, I, and again, I have to apologise to him now. The first episode was Frankie Sheehan, the former Ireland rugby international Munster player. And founder of Pendulum Summit to great well, exactly, success. And we had great chat about Pendulum Summit and we had a really interesting conversation about his bankruptcy and how things had gone wrong from him and how he bounces back. And I was praising him about bounce back ability that he has. But then I used a phrase about a part of his rugby career about going to a rugby World Cup. And there's a great story in there as well about how he won over 90 grand at the casino on the last night of the World Cup. But when he was at the World Cup, that one of the one 2007, and he was a peripheral figure, shall we say, in the squad. He wasn't a starter and he wasn't a sub. And I asked him, well, how did it feel to be a tackle bag holder? 
And I sort of did it sort of naturally. And a friend of mine said, how could you have said that to Frankie? I mean, like the guy's an elite sportsman. He was there as part of our Rugby World Cup squad. And you said that. So this is my opportunity, Frankie, if you're listening. My apologies. It wasn't meant in any negative way. So I know what you're saying, but I suppose I'm asking people into my house. So I'm not asking people into my house to beat them up or be confrontational. I'm asking to find out and to try and get benefit out of No, but I'll give you one example of, and I, I understand what you mean about the thing of not trying to, to beat them up, but one of the guests that you have coming up is Fintan Drury. Yeah. Now, there's a man who has a very interesting career spectrum, mm. was a former host on Morning Ireland on RTE, subsequently created his own communications company, went on to be a, a sports agent of Summernet, but he's had some directorships in some interesting entities across that period. I would have thought they're tender issues to get into with somebody or are they? That issue or that edition of Magnified comes out next Monday and the three main things we talk about are his chairmanship of Paddy Power Bookmakers and he is now regrets quite a lot of the activities of Paddy Power in becoming so pervasive in the way that they try and take money off people and he's now involved in campaigns to try and dial down the influence of advertising. So he would regret that and he's very interesting in that, particularly interesting He's also very interesting on his relationship with Brian Cohn, to whom he would have been an advisor unofficially as minister and as Taoiseach. And uh, so we talk a lot about Brian Cohn. And we also talk about Sean Fitzpatrick and Anglo-Irish Bank because Finton was a director there for six years. And he, it, and he left about six months before the crash. Good timing. But he's exceptionally interesting on the relationship he had with Fitzpatrick how we felt duped by him, and also how when the politicians got an opportunity to try and examine what had gone wrong, how he feels they didn't really want to get into the substance of issues, that the banking inquiry was just grandstanding for politicians. There's loads in the interview. Very interesting about the, because as you say about the, 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 the departure six months before means that you, you weren't there when, they, or he was not there when the, the accident finally occurred. The accident, I love uh-huh. your euphemism, yeah. But he was definitely there when the culture was established. And but he's fascinating on that, I mean, and he's, he's actually absolutely fascinating on the sort of the, the big swinging dick culture that went on with an awful lot of the machismo of that uh, era in the Celtic Tiger and also the sort of the reinforcement rather than the challenging that you actually need at a board level. So it's something I think you'll really enjoy listening to. Also, I'm not wishing to blow smoke up your fundament or sunshine up it, but you are well positioned to that interview given the business background because, of course, your, your original start in journalism was business. That was what you were before anything else. Yeah, actually, I even have all things. I have a commerce degree originally. Have you? Uh, yeah, and I could possibly have ended up being an accountant. I, can I ask you, how did you get away with the haircut in the early days? <laughs> so, what, what do you mean, Anton? You, you had one of the most tremendous quasi-mullet haircuts. Well, I'm glad you said quasi because it wasn't a mullet. Because a mullet, to give it its proper definition, would have been <laughs> cut at the sides in behind the ears. And mine never was. You mine, just had the, the full-on Michael Bolton flowing locks. I would have thought more Robert Plant, but there you much go. Much better. Robert Plant is much closer to it. <laughs> and, I I just, d- and I do like doing my Led Zeppelin and karaoke nights, which, yeah... But I always think about you at that point being business editor, because you were business editor at the Indo at that stage, I when was, you had and, hair and, almost and, out and, of your arse. And I was editor of the Sunday Tribune, and with, the, with that haircut, I moved to the Sunday Tribune as editor and kept it for about three years until 
my eldest daughter, Andy, who's now 23, and when she was a baby, when I'd be carrying her on, she would be pulling at it all the time. So I got fed up with her pulling at it and I got a cut. Well, she, we owe her a great debt of gratitude. Why? <laughs> Matt, it is lovely to talk to you. And the podcast is Magnified with Matt Cooper and it drops, is it Mondays? Every Monday. It's You can get it via the Go Loud platform, but you can also get it wherever you get your apps, be it Apple, Spotify, whatever. So please subscribe, make it worthwhile. I mean, it'll be worth my while doing it because it's going to be enjoying my while oh, yeah, meeting we'll these people. But hopefully it'll be worthwhile listeners as well. And we want you to make a few quid with all of the subscriptions <laughs> that come with it and all the rest of it. Now, do me a favour and get out because we're going to talk about sport and I know you won't be able to be present with it without getting involved because we have a busy weekend. Well, look, Callaghan would not mind, <laughs> would he? No, no, that'd be fine. I'm sure, hang around then. I'm chat about Leeds well, against Man City later. It'd be fine. I'm so anxious I assume Man City all the way. That. I, you're safe now, Matt. You can breathe. They're not safe. There are no Mark Lawrence and last night on the last word was insistent that Leeds are safe. He said, "I guarantee you now, you can play it back to me. Leeds will not be relegated." Too much has happened in my lifetime as a Leeds United supporter to take anything for granted. Not when we're playing get Manchester out, City, Arsenal, Chelsea. I'm going to reassure him. Don't encourage him. <laughs> he'll be fine. Get him out. He'll be gone shoot. later. He'll be Come fine. On. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Lovely to see you. 